I understand that I missed my uh, my introduction, but I'm, I'm sure it was very appropriate. Shus, colleague Rav Tversky. The Torah tells us in Parsha Svayigash, Parsha that we read uh, not this past week but the week before, that at the time when Yaakov Avinu decided that Klal Yisrael should go down to Mitzrayim, should live there for several years, a very difficult decision indeed. So the Torah says, V'es Yehuda shalach lefanav. Yehuda was sent in advance as an advance party, El Yosef, to Yosef, Laharos lefanav goshna, Bayavo artsa goshen. Rashi, commenting, quoting the very famous Medrash in Vayigash, explains, Talmud It was necessary to establish a yeshiva, an educational center, a center that would um, convey the principles of Yahadus. That was a prerequisite for going out, going down to Mitzrayim. Yaakov Avinu, the Bechir HaAvos, Yaakov Avinu, who more than any other the Avos, reflects the proper balance between different Midos, each of which grabs our attention. Yaakov's actions dictate that the establishment of proper Bate Medrash, proper Yeshivos, constitutes an indispensable prerequisite for any Jewish community. And one could add that this is particularly true in the context of going down to Mitzrayim. When Jews venture into a Mitzrayim situation in which they are exposed to foreign influences and foreign culture, in which they strive to maintain their traditions and to continue to engender spiritual growth despite the challenge of their new atmosphere, new environment, then a proper base medrash, a proper place in which we could say Misham Tetzei Hora, is particularly critical. The determination of what can and cannot be integrated, what can and what does not enhance Yadus, referring to some of the issues that Rav spoke of just a few minutes ago, what distracts and what undermines what needs to be filtered out of Yadus, all of this demands a Torah Hashkafa that is rooted in the influential environment of the yeshiva that serves, in fact, as a backbone for the entire community. Undoubtedly, Yaakov Avinu was already aware, and Yehuda certainly, of the diverse models of Ephraim and Menashe. Whatever it is that they actually represent according to the different views of Chazal. But certainly each one representing a different balance of how to integrate the foreign culture. After all, Ephraim and Menashe had already been educated in Mitzrayim. Although, of course, under the influence of their father, not just any father, but Yosef Atzadik, who of course uh, deserved that name, Tmus Dyukno Shal Aviv, something that continued to dominate his own thinking and his own behavior, even after he had long left his father's home. And when Yaakov decided to give the brachos and Bayasem as Ephraim Lifnei Menashe, clearly he made a statement as to who represented the most ideal of the models. It was Ephraim more than Menashe. But in any case, 
What's particularly crucial is that no less a prominent and decisive figure than Yehuda himself, who would be the future leader of Kal Yisrael, and already in the present had established his credentials as someone who is decisive and someone who is a leader, no one less than Yehuda is entrusted with the formidable task of creating the proper environment, the proper yeshiva, to sustain Klal Yisrael in this kind of galus. While Yehuda had the luxury of creating and shaping his own school, designing its curriculum and its outlook, establishing the standards that were tailor-fit to the Shvatim as they were then, and of course he had the input of the Gadol Hadar, the Bechir Ha'avos of Yaakov, most of us confront a much more frustrating, confusing, and challenging situation. It's our task to choose in some cases from too many existing schools and programs if we live in the metropolitan area, or in other cases, if we live out of town, from a dearth of options, each of which in some cases represents a different extreme. Each of these, having too many choices, having too few choices, constitutes a challenge. A challenge that occupies or preoccupies parents' minds and hearts. The Rambam in Talmud Torah, Perik Aleph, codifies the urgency of every community having Bate Medrash, Bate Hara. Moshivin Malame Tinokos Bechol Medino Medino Bechol Pelach Upelach Bechol Ir She'ein Bo Tinokos Shel Besrabon Machriminus Anshe Ha'ir Ad She Moshivin Malame Tinokos The Rambam indicates it's necessary for every city, every community to have Bate Medrash, a place where Tinokos Shel Besrabon can develop and if one refrains from doing so, if one ignores his responsibility, the Rambam says, The Anshe'ir put in Cherem, that's the extent of the severity of their contraction. And the Nosei Kalim point out that according to the earlier Makoros and the Gemara, it would have seen that there should be only one, not both of these. The Rambam seems to be taking a particularly harsh stance here. Not only in the time of Yehuda and Yosef and Yaakov, but for all time to come, Jewish communities are defined by the Bate Medrash that they design for Tinokos Shobes Rabban. This double formulation of the Rambam, Machrimin as Bnei and Machrivin Esair, is significant. It reflects the responsibility of the people in the community, and it also reflects the fact that the community itself deserves to be destroyed because it simply is not viable if its educational institutions um, are not appropriate. The fact is that the Rambam formulates the requirement of institutions in the community only rarely. In the context of tzedakah, in hukas matnusaniyim, and in the context of Batedinim, in the beginning of Hilchah Sanhedrin. It's particularly noteworthy that the Rambam intentionally uses language that we identify with Batedinim when he describes 
the formulation of the establishment of yeshivos. Bechol pelach u pelach, bechol ir ve'ir. The Nosekelim even wonder whether each shevet doesn't deserve its own educational institution, just as bechol shevatecha, every shevet deserves its own bezdin. This equation between yeshivos and batedinim is very, very significant. And the use of similar terminology implies that just as the role of the Bezdin in a community transcends access to Mishpat when needed, in other words, when a dispute arises and the litigants have to go to court, and they need a Bezdin, they need Shoftim to adjudicate their case, but the fact is that the mitzvah of Shoftim, the Shotrim, Titan, the the obligation to establish standing batedinim in each community and in a pervasive presence at that, b'chol ir v'chir v'chol pelach v'pelach b'chol shevet v'shevet reflects that the institution of Bezdin transcends its actual technical role. That the presence of Dayanim in the city shapes the religious standards and agenda of that community. Having Dayanim in the community, in the town, makes it a different kind of city, a different kind of Jewish community. It makes it a makom, Torah, a place in which Dayanim, who are signified by the word Elohim, reside. And so too, by extension, by using similar language with respect to the place in which Tinoko Shobes Rabban develop, the Rambam implies that the presence of yeshivos is not only significant for the education of our children, but it reflects much about our own values and the potential of every institution of learning in a community is to project more than the sum of its parts, to impact on the total community. Moreover, just as there's a bit of a different emphasis in the Bezin Shal Pelach and the Bezin Shal Ir and certainly in the Bezin Shal Shevet, there's perhaps in the Rambam's use of terminology a hint that there can be different emphases in institutions of higher learning or institutions of learning in different components of the Jewish community. There can be a recognition that at different times, and in some cases at all times, there are going to be different needs and different constituencies. Within reason, within a certain parameter and common denominator, there can be more than one type of yeshiva that serves the various communities. The question, of course, is how to implement this ideal, whether it's that of Yehuda, Yaakov, and Yosef, or the one which the Rambam formulates so forcefully towards the beginning of Hilchus Talmud Torah. The Talmud Torah Keneged Kulon contributes, in a way, ironically, to the difficulty inherent in picking the proper educational system and the proper educational institution for our children. The idea that Talmud Torah represents the highest of our values implies both high stakes and also multiple agendas. Torah stands at the center of our religious lives and experiences, both intellectually and experientially, as Rav Tversky just mentioned, because beyond the limud itself, the learning itself, which has both of these components, and therefore is the highest form of Avodos Hashem, after all, it is the encounter with Dvar Hashem, the Achtus Hamaskil Vihamuskal, it's literally our pathway to the Rabbonu Sholem, the one that he sets up and which therefore attains 
a legitimacy for all of us. Beyond all of that, it impacts upon the critical elements that shape religious personalities. Hashkafa, Midos, it's the source of Lilmod Almanas Lassos, proper observance, and an appreciation of what it is that observance brings to us. Not a burden, but the sense of Ratzah Kaddish Baruch Hu Yisrael, Lefika Achirbalem Toro Mitzvos, the idea that mitzvos represent something that benefits us, benefits us greatly. Ideally, all of these elements and many more, the intellectual side, the experiential, the midos, the shaping of the personality, all of these should be complementary. But in the real world, with fallible human beings running the show, in real schools, there are always going to be discrepancies. In the best scenario, there are schools that do some things even better than the others, and in the worst scenarios, there are some schools that fail miserably on some of these accounts. Unfortunately, the high level and rigor of Talmud Torah do not, in fact, in the real world, go hand in hand with the effective cultivation of exemplary midos and inculcation of Yerushalayim. And when that happens, it doesn't have to happen, hopefully it doesn't always happen, but when it happens, then difficult decisions, practical decisions, need to be made. Moreover, in our community, which places a high premium on secular education, on a degree of openness to the outside world, in selective or qualified, not uncritical, as Rav Tversky spoke of before, openness to the surrounding culture, positions which, in the right balance, I too fully subscribe, But as a result, the issue of choosing properly is far, far more complex. While the need for Yira Shamayim, halachic rigor, and high standards for Talmud Torah and Shmira Samitzvos are actually even more crucial in a more ambitious and complex agenda, that's something that we all have to consider. The challenges in terms of resources of time and other resources and even more so, of formulating and of articulating and integrating the proper relationship and balance is far more acute than for those ideologies that have a single or at least a narrower focus. Moreover, in our schools, for both idealistic and practical reasons, there is also the effort to appeal to a broader constituency. For economic, practical reasons, and, for as I say, reasons of ideology, because openness is part and parcel of that greater religious ambition. But that broader constituency often is less committed, or at this stage at least in their development, less committed to an ambitious program of Talmud Torah and of Yerushalayim. Therefore, schools that desire to impact upon such families even as they also serve families that are fully devoted and fully interested in as ambitious a program of idealistic agenda of Torah Mada, Torah V'chachma, Torah Derech Eretz, whatever you want to call it or label it, that could be formulated and implemented, the effort to wed these two constituencies together generates further complications and further problems. This contributes, in some cases, to frustration in the educational choices 
that we confront, as unfortunately we'll call them the Torah Plus schools, sometimes are forced to and sometimes simply out of too little intellectual and religious energy, in fact sacrifice too much. In some cases are compelled to sacrifice too much. The question of weighing one's support for the local school or the school of a given hashkafa in order to help raise the standards of that school for the sake of the entire community and to advance an ideology that one believes in, when another environment might be more ideal at this stage personally for one's children, is a wrenching choice. The choice between preferred standards of Yerushalayim and Talmud Torah on the one hand, as opposed to a strong identification with a hashkafa that one holds to be more religiously ideal when properly implemented, is a torturous one. But it's one which is not theoretical. It's one which too many of us are forced to confront. The factor of Chanoch Nar al-Pidarko, of recognizing the individual needs of each child plays a role as well. The halacha, of course, recognizes this concept, the different inclinations and needs of children based on personality, capabilities, personal, family experiences, and so on. Not all systems of education, even ideal systems of education, are equally effective for all children at all stages. Hence also the need for more than one emphasis in the type of system, as I noted earlier, trying to be medayik in the language of the Rambam, in Hukustama Torah. The highly personal nature of choice, weighing cost and benefit, risking when one makes different choices, assessing values, trading off one value for another, priorities, acceptable risks, and so on, are very, very difficult to pin down. Sometimes one has to assess what one can compensate for at home for deficiencies in a particular system. If I'm uncomfortable with one component of the educational system, but I feel that I'm able to compensate for it, then the problem is less torturous than if I have to make a hard choice to choose one emphasis over another. In any case, even from the brief description it should be obvious, that there are no scientific and quantifiable tools for making difficult decisions. Long sleepless nights, consultation with people who we respect, Torah personalities, all of these have to be part of the decision-making process. In any case, in the half an hour or 40 minutes that I have, I don't presume to be able to instruct parents struggling with specific issues as I myself have struggled, and I'm sure everybody in this room who has children has struggled, in reaching specific conclusions. But, I think there are certain principles and guidelines, and at least some priorities, that help put the issue in clearer focus, in clearer perspective, and I want to speak at least briefly about some of them. Let me begin with a, um, a clear disclaimer. Um, I received a couple of phone calls actually before Shabbos. Um, people asked me what exactly I'm going to be speaking about, suggesting that I might be uh, touching on raw nerves. So let me just uh, say at the outset that um, I intend to make no references and I'm not making any veiling, veiled references either to specific schools or situations. 
I'm totally unaware of the situation uh, in particular here in Teaneck. I don't want to be aware, at least not at the moment. Um, I make no specific references whatsoever. And let me say something else. What I'd like to speak about today are some of the ideals and some of the issues. That is quite separate from the fact that I have enormous respect for anyone who dedicates his life to chinuch, a career to chinuch. I think financially and otherwise it constitutes a very great sacrifice, irrespective of the type of orthodox school in which one makes his particular contribution. The sincerity, the passion that underlies the commitment to go into chinuch in whatever form is something which is admirable in every way. The fact is also, as I noted before, that many types of schools contribute significantly to the enhancement of Jewish life. Different schools cater to different clientels and constituencies, irrespective of whether or not I consider that system of education to be the one which is most ideal for people who are at a stage in which they are capable of a more ideal um, system. The fact is that many of the most idealistic and religiously ambitious people that I know developed or educated in schools which I consider to be more of a bedieved variety. That doesn't mean that some environments and some systems, in other words, are not more conducive. My argument is going to be that they are. But the fact is that in all schools there are sincere and educated, uh, there are sincere educators who work uh, very, very hard in order to instill and inculcate the values of Yerushalayim and commitment to Torah and to mitzvos, and all of us should appreciate that. In any case, what I'd like to do briefly is delineate some of the issues and trade-offs and priorities as I see them if I'm successful in clarifying or at least in stimulating more serious consideration of some aspects of the problem I will consider myself to have been successful in this talk very briefly let's relate to some of the issues we'll see how much time the hard reality is that the schools in our community have rarely achieved excellence and in some cases um, even high standards or stature both in Torah and in secular studies, Mada, forcing unhappy educational choices. While I understand the difficulty and the pressures involved, mentioned some of them previously, that lead to this result, the first thing I should say is that I do not believe that as a community we have to accept this as a fait accompli. On the contrary, if we believe in our ideology, it behooves us to take steps to ensure that we don't have to compromise and make hard choices, but that we can realize the greatest ambitions of Torah and Yerushalayim alongside high standards in the area of Hashkafa and other things that we also value. At the same time, in cases where choices need to be made, the question of priorities is a crucial one. As an advocate of the ideology of Torah Mada, it disturbs me that so much that is antithetical to the broader agenda of Torah that it really projects marches, or at least is justified, under its banner. Torah Mada, Torah V'chachma, Torah Der Heretz, whichever, are not intended as compromises, dilutions, or concessions in the standards of Talmud Torah and Yerushalayim. They're always only intended as enhancements 
as expansions. One could say, not Torah and, but a Torah plus ideology. A view which argues that Torah addresses not only narrowly what it speaks of, but the values beyond which can be extracted from it and which can be applied to all aspects of life. As I noted earlier, higher standards and a more intense commitment, ironically, crucially, is actually more necessary to this ideology, both to filter out what needs to be rejected and even in terms of what needs to be integrated to achieve the proper balance. The Mishnah Masechet Avos explains that if a person is walking in the street and he's learning, he's involved in Talmud Torah, and he interrupts his Talmud Torah to say, Mayafa Ilan Zeh, how beautiful is this tree, or some other praise of nature, Mishnah responds very harshly that this individual is Chayev Benafsho. The point is that one should appreciate nature. There's certainly ample uh, foundation for that, basis for that in Chazal, in Tanakh, and in Chazal, Marabu Masecha Hashem. But one should appreciate nature as part of one's appreciation of the world which the Rabbanu Sholem gave us and of our function in that world to grow as B'nai Torah. If, indeed, Manoa Ilan Zeh is to supplement and enhance Talmud Torah and Yerushalayim, then it cannot come at the expense of, it can't be Mafsik Mishnaso. If it is, it becomes competitive and antithetical. And then, on the contrary, Harezim Mishkayi Benafsho, because not only has he made a mistake in properly integrating and balancing, but he's taken something which could have enhanced his Avodos Hashem, and instead he's made it competitive, and he's undermined his Avodos Hashem. This has to be the approach for all of us who are committed to the ideology of a Torah plus education. Clearly, growth in Torah and Yerushalayim have to take precedent over the development of one's secular knowledge, even if one's secular knowledge is an important part of that higher ambition. And while one should strive not to compromise either, one should try to compensate for institutional deficiencies. Still, the awareness of the religious value of Mada, that the awareness that the religious value of Mada exists only to the extent that it enhances Torah is a crucial perspective. And it's one with clear implications. Clearly, when you have to make a wrenching decision whether your child is going to develop in Torah and Yerushalayim with a bit of a less uh, intense secular education or whether the standard is a bit lower, if you have to make that hard decision, clearly that is the decision which is mandated rather than the opposite. The balance between these two elements is crucial not only for difficult decisions, but also for the issue of curricular selectivity, an issue which plagues our schools, determining what it is that enhances and what distracts or detracts from growth in Torah. This is particularly an issue with respect to issues like literature, especially in the younger years when we expose our Talmidim, Maitreski used the expression in the Gemara, or the Mashal of the Gemara, our Zahav, our gold, in elementary and in high school education, when children, young men, young women are particularly impressionable. 
Too often, schools are indiscriminate in their effort to expose students. There are myriad of good literature which one can choose in elementary school and high school, um, conveying very fine values uh, written in language which is highly acceptable. Not enough effort, not enough thought is given to curricular selectivity in, a, in an effort to be consistent <coughs> in our espousal of the ideology of Torah, uh, Torah Plus. The issue of hard choices is parallel but even more thorny when it arises not only with regard to implementing a dual curriculum, but in the broader question of the relationship between the factor of hashkafa um, as it relates to, again, Talmud Torah and Yerushalayim. It's unfortunate that sometimes we're confronted with such choices on the implementation level given our strong conviction that our ideology is indeed a l'chatchila. And again, it's our obligation as parents, as influential advocates in the community, to strive to eliminate the need to make such stark choices. But in some communities where there are dearth of options, and they are often extreme, particularly out of town, the issue becomes unavoidable. What do you do when the school that is closer to your hashkafa, or at least appears to espouse or convey values that you hold dear on hashkafa level, is really inferior in its level of Talmud Torah, or um, even more problematic, in the environment, in the atmosphere of Yerushalayim that it projects. In some cases, the issue is unavoidable. There are no easy answers here, and the question of how might one compensate at home, realistically, when one takes risks, when does not, when one does not, is a crucial question. Hashkafa is definitely a crucial component in one's religious persona. It's not uh, simply a little bit more secular knowledge. It's a question of a lay of life, what one believes to be of value as one grows, lives, and contributes as an Oved Hashem. We need to investigate the possibility then of compensating whenever a concession has to be made in the institutional system of education that we expose our children to. As a religious Zionist, for example, I might prefer to send my child to a school which not only projects the importance of Eretz Yisrael, but even also observes celebration of Yom Ha'atzma'ut, albeit, I would say, that's another topic, in a meaningful halachic way, And I would go to great lengths, certainly, to avoid sending a child to a school which rejects those values. But when one needs to trade off the higher standard of learning and a greater comfort with the atmosphere of Yerushalayim in a situation where these values, let's say, are not articulated as forcefully as one would like, but there is a great degree of support for Eretz Yisrael, for Medina Yisrael, may not be called Zionism, there may not be a celebration of Yom Ha'atzmaut, but there's no opposition to it, to schools that cater to a wider audience and try to avoid taking clear stands on such issues. So then again, the question of compensation um, comes into play. If I can take my child with me on Yom Ha'atzmaut and give him a more meaningful experience, 
still keep him in the school in which I'm more comfortable with his education in Yerushalayim and Talmud Torah, that's a preferable solution. Obviously, the weighing of the extremes, the gaps, all of these need to be calculated. As I said before, uh, this is not a scientific um, process, but one in which serious consideration, sleepless nights come into play. In brief, the crucial component in Jewish education is the fostering of a sense of Yerushalayim. This is the foundation of Midos Tovos, as well as, ultimately, the foundation for intellectual and experiential growth in Talmud Torah. The relationship between Talmud Torah and Yerushalayim is a dialectical one. On the one hand, Reishis Chachma Yiras Hashem, Yiras Hashem facilitates Talmud Torah, and equally, Ein Bur Yerechet, Ein Amaretz Chasid. Talmud Torah, knowledge, a sense, an instinct that one develops in terms of what is proper in Talmud Torah, halachic instinct, instinct for halachic values, is critical for being a Yare Elohim. Yerushalayim ultimately serves as the filter for all of the other components in an ambitious agenda of Avodah Hashem. Avram Avinu's complex decisions are put in full perspective. Is he indeed choosing, really, Achnasas Archem over Kabbalah's Pnei Ashkina? Is he improperly advocating for a Sodom which rejects the whole concept of Yeras Elohim? When Avram Avinu proves himself, Ata Yadati Kimata, it establishes beyond a shadow of a doubt that his entire ambitious agenda, and no one was more ambitious than Avram Avinu, the father of monotheism and the Amud HaChesed, all of it is filtered, all of it is validated by the fact that Avram Avinu's Avas Hashem is rooted in his Yiras Elohim. The end of Sefer Koheles establishes unequivocally that the way to be involved in society in a meaningful way and in a multiple and complex way, there could be an ace for this and an ace for that. Every philosophy can have its value only under one set of conditions. Sof davar hakol nishma es elokim es mitzvosav shemar kol ha'adam if a person cultivates the Midah of Yiras Elohim. It's for this reason that I said earlier that Yiras Elohim is precisely what affords the possibility of a wider ambition of a Torah plus ideology. And while Yiras Shemayim can be developed in different ways, and there's no monopoly on how this crucial commodity is developed, it's still crucial that one be convinced that one's child is in an atmosphere which fosters and cultivates that midah. And that reflects on the ideology of the school, the principal, the kind of teachers, and in some cases, the kind of student body that it attracts as well. Any choice of educational model, in my opinion, rests on not shortchanging one's child on this factor. Again, in some cases, a lot of work needs to be done at home to compensate, to ensure, to make sure that the direction of Yerushalayim is the one that you want, but there can be no compromise on Yerushalayim. Given a hard choice, Yerushalayim outweighs even the rigorous quality of the Talmud Torah. 
as the cultivation of Midos Tovos are non-negotiable. Moreover, as I just noted, Yiras Elohim is a sine qua non not only for general spiritual growth, but even for intellectual growth in Torah as well. If one isn't humble enough to accept what one doesn't understand, if one doesn't understand that much of Talmud Torah is reconstructing what is, that's a function of Yiras Elohim, to appreciate the inner logic of Torah and of Halacha, then one can't make strides, one can't attain uh, levels, high levels, of Talmud Torah either. The story of, told famously of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, who was asked, you know, if a person is given you know, half an hour a day free, you know, should he learn Torah, should he study Musr? And uh, was purported to have responded that he should study Musr, not because Musr is more important than Talmud Torah, but that if he studies Musr for the half hour, he'll find that he has other time for Talmud Torah. The exact relationship between Musr and intellectual Talmud Torah is an intriguing one, a very critical issue. The Rav in Ish HaLacha um, conveys the view of Reb Chaim. Reb Chaim felt that the best way to convey the principles of Musr was through Talmud Torah itself. The Rav notes that, um, well, that view, certainly one which Reb Chaim could espouse, uh, it's questionable whether those of us who are not on that level can achieve through Talmud Torah alone what sometimes is accomplished by supplementing with Musr. At the same time, um, Yisrael Salanter's half an hour was intended to find more than half an hour for Talmud Torah. And Rabbi Chaim's value of projecting Talmud Torah um, as Ikar is one which again, I think should be central to our educational choices. In Nefesh HaChaim, Rabbi Chaim Mivalajan explains again that there is no quantified um, um, principle when it comes to the relationship between Yira and Chachma or Musr and Halacha. If one overdoes, not the Yerushalayim, but the method of inculcating Yerushalayim through the medium of Musr specifically, Rabbi Chaim Nivalajan says we have to use our instinct and experience to determine what the proper balance is between Musar, Yira, and the furtherance of Musar and Yira through Talmud Torah in all of its glory. We need to intensify the atmosphere in our own schools so that the value of Yerushalayim is unequivocal so that our constituencies do not feel the pressure to abandon our schools, weakening our ideologies, because they're forced to make that critical choice. From that perspective, though, it's important for us to understand that Yira, Yira Shemayim, also is a complex institution. The Rambam Torah, Perik Beis, Halach Aleph and Beis, really bundles together Yiras Elohim and Abbas Hashem. He speaks about both, but instead of speaking about one and then the other, he says, Ezehu Yira and Ezehu Abba, together, and then he develops them both. 
And elsewhere, there are other indications that the Rambam believes that despite the differences in emphasis and accent, Yira and Ava represent a single theme. Certainly they are complementary in every way. When we think of inculcating the values of Yira Selokim, I don't mean only the sense of Pachad and the Yira specifically and narrowly defined. I also refer to inculcating that sense of Ava, part of which comes from the experiential component that Rafforsky spoke of earlier, part of which flows from the beauty and majesty of intellectual Talmud Torah, part of which flows from some of the values which actually our schools really excel in, the sense of reaching out to others in the community who are not on our level, and so on and so forth. Moreover, Yira and Talmud Torah includes a component of Simcha, um, as well as, again, Yira narrowly defined. The role of Simcha in Talmud Torah is particularly pronounced. Rabbi Avram in Ahar, in Masechet Nadarim, the Taz in Yoridea, the Egle Tal, in his famous Hakdama in Sefer, developed the idea that Pikude Hashem Yesharim Misam Chelev there's an element of simcha in Torah beyond other mitzvos. And it has halachic significance as well. We won't go into that at the moment. This concept of simcha salimud, simcha satorah, avas hamakom, avas abrios, all of this is included in the wider definition of yira that needs to be developed in our schools. And that, of course, is inconsistent with the stifling of exuberance and creativity, which is a problem in other educational systems. At the same time, the theme of Yira dictates rigor, seriousness, an intensified schedule in Talmud Torah, and proper use of one's time. The Rambam in Perak Base, Yerkos Talmud Torah, Halacha Base, after establishing the need for yeshivas in our communities, explains one has to take into consideration the physical status, stamina, constitution of the children we don't do this very much anymore but the old Malamids used to threaten their students a little bit with a little bit of Ema it's our job to make sure that they have the Ema although maybe in a different way. But then the Rambam explains, Then he explains how one should spend one's day. The Rambam describes, based on the Gemara, a rigorous program in which time is not to be wasted, in which there aren't that many days of Chofesh. What the Rambam describes is really antithetical to modern trends in general education and unfortunately in Jewish education um, as well.
The fact is that there is much competition in our schools. It's really a buyer's market today. The Ramam speaks about that as well in the end of Perik Beis of Hashanah Torah. Balichin esakatan mimelamed lemelamed achar shehu mahir mimenu ben bemikra ben bedikduk. One should look to increase both intellectually and experientially the level of our teaching to our students, shuttling them if need be to different melamdim, different cities. The concept of competition is something that is valued in Talmud Torah. Even if he wants to compete. Today we also have competition and a buyer's market, essentially. But unfortunately, that has resulted in the watering down of the school curriculum, the sense of appeasing uh, parents and students, more hobbies and more trips. Some clubs, extracurricular activities, are very positive. Chesed clubs and, again, other clubs that undoubtedly expand experiences um, and so on. But one senses that there's a lot of pandering going on. Um, I don't think that the school's principals um, are happy about it, but in order to survive in a buyer's market where the trend is to dilute, that is what is taking place. And on the contrary, if we want our system of education to get on a higher track, to be uncompromising, to represent Torah Plus and all of its ambition, we have to return not to the a makkah of the Malamed necessarily, but to the sense of seriousness and rigor and aima, all of which is reflected, the major principles uh, which are crucial um, in that context. Moreover, this crucial role of the environment of aima and yira in the classroom has other educational ramifications. Kumar tells us that a Balkari is someone who originally was also B'talmud Torah, because the process of learning Torah in a classroom is one which is modeled after Kabbalah Torah at Har Sinai. And it requires that kind of yira, yira, reses. It requires the kind of yira that makes kalus rosh inconceivable. And therefore the Balkari is excluded from the process of Talmud Torah. We're not able to live up to this ideal fully in our own era. And that halacha uh, no longer applies, bismanenu. But the value, the theme of eradicating kalus rosh, I don't mean some chidud, um, in the, certainly an environment of simcha and ava, but kalus rosh, which is something quite different, frivolity, lack of Yerushalayim. This is a crucial issue in our time. I was asked specifically to speak, uh, very briefly at least, about uh, the question of co-education. Again, uh, part of my disclaimer before um, refers to this issue. I think co-educational schools have made an enormous contribution to our community and to Klal Yisrael generally at a time and in some communities where schools could not have existed if they were not co-ed for financial reasons or for support of the community reasons or because it was necessary to pull in a certain kind of constituency um, 
The role that those schools played were enormous. They were supported by major Tamil Chachamim, educators, some of the Gedole Hadar. In some communities, were it not for the local school, which is necessarily co-ed, many prominent Tamil Chachamim and Balabatim, prominent in the community, would not have developed. Some of my finest Talmidim went to such schools, some of my finest Talmidim go back and teach um, in such schools. Personally, I also spent a couple of years in elementary school, in a co-ed school, when we moved to New York. Some of the most innovative programs in Jewish education and transformative programs um, in Jewish life have actually uh, begun with the educators of these schools. Programs that have literally changed the religious landscape. The idea of sending Talmidim to Eretz Yisrael to study, which began, I think, in the Tachnit Yud Gimel program, pioneered by my father-in-law, um, actually, in Yeshiva Flatbush, and Rav Simcha Teitelbaum of Yeshiva High School of Queen, and some other educators of that era, I think is responsible not only for transforming um, the degree to which there's intense commitment to learning, the Yerushamayim, mitzvot in our community, but across the board, in, in all of the Jewish community. But having said that, and while these schools continue to make contributions, very important contributions, for the constituents that they serve, the fact is that coeducational system uh, represents a very serious obstacle in terms of the problem of Kalus Rosh, and in terms of the focus on unequivocal um, eradication of Kalus Rosh. Again, one doesn't have to be a, an educator or a sociologist to understand that there are certain pressures in a co-ed um, environment which are not conducive to developing certain issues of tznius and which, as I say, um, create distractions in terms of Kalus Rosh. It's interesting that the Rambam in Talmud Torah, according to the Gemara, but it's interesting that he also develops it in Talmud Torah, um, uh, suggests that it's improper you know, to have um, you know, uh, female teachers uh, teaching the boys and uh, male teachers who aren't yet married uh, teaching and so on. Um, even in the context of the Talmud Torah, never mind other contexts, uh, the Rambam feels it necessary to reiterate uh, the challenges um, that are involved in the mixing of genders in the context uh, of education. Uh, while many have overcome these challenges, I said, many fine Talmidim um, have emerged from such schools, um, the question is whether or not our community as a whole hasn't matured to the point that at least those who are more ambitious in their um, desire for their children's education don't have better options. And while again it's important to support um, the schools of our community, the question one has to ask is whether sending um, our children there at this point in time, as opposed to the conventional wisdom of 15 and 20 and, and 30 years ago, um, is critical for the maintaining of standards um, for those schools, which in turn um, affects the entire community, or really those schools at this point, really you have two independent systems, in which case um, it becomes a clearer cut decision that the separate education um, represents um, a superior uh, choice in terms of avoiding these obstacles. The issue is not only one of Kalus Rosh, I think it's also a question of curriculum um, 
Uh, there are educational issues as well, even in uh, secular educators are beginning more and more to grapple with the question whether coeducation is good for the boys, for the girls, uh, for anybody, uh, in terms of the, the pressures that it creates socially and even educationally. Uh, there might be different uh, emphases or at least different stages in maturity um, of the genders which are sacrificed by, by coeducation. But of course, more specifically, in a Torah environment, um, well, the question is uh, developing and designing curricula which are more effective and more appropriate um, for the different genders. Um, in addition to the Tzniyus and Kalas Rosh question, um, we need to uh, seriously rethink um, the continuing role of, uh, of co-educational schools. Um, even if there's a value to offering um, Gemara, for example, for women uh, in these schools, certainly, at least uh, I'm clear about the point, um, I think that the, the, generally speaking, the curricular um, choices uh, for boys and for girls ideally should be different. The emphases um, should be different. All of that, I think, um, is compromised uh, by the coeducational by the coeducational structure. In any case, um, these are issues which our community needs to grapple with more and more as we move forward. I see my time is already over. So let me just uh, mention one thing very quickly, and then I'll, I'll complete uh, my little talk. Um, a very crucial issue is the question of the role of parents in our schools. And here I think a serious cheshvan and nefesh is needed um, within our community. I think we find two extremes and we don't find enough responsible parental um, involvement. On the one hand we find parents who really abdicate their responsibility to the schools. They don't pay close enough attention to what is taking place there. They don't try to influence the debate uh, in a proper way as to what the standards should be and what the focus should be um, in our schools. Uh, in a sense, it's part of a larger problem, which I think has become exacerbated um, even more in recent times. It's only come to light in recent times. About parents who are not as involved as they could, uh, as they could be, as they should be, with the life of their children. Uh, recently, there have been a few celebrated uh, um, uh, scandals uh, which reflect uh, parental lack of involvement uh, on a major scale, which are very, very disturbing. That's one extreme. Then we find that there are parents who literally micromanage uh, their children's education, but not so much uh, in a thoughtful way and out of ideological concern, but uh, again as a function of um, uh, lack of respect in some cases for educators and teachers, uh, inappropriate uh, micromanagement. What of course is necessary is involvement, and responsible um, support, and in some cases, responsible compensation. The fact is that the source of education remains Bishinantam Levanecha. And while we say Levanecha is Talmidecha, the obligation is the one that devolves upon parents, parents and grandparents and so on. Teachers are supposed to relate to their students as parents to children. Of course, implying parent to children retains the basic category and the category of responsibility. And for that reason, it's important to parents to know what's going on, to influence the debate in a proper way, to support the uh, advances or efforts of the schools to intensify Jewish education, 
to act in a consistent manner at home that doesn't send mixed signals to one's child um, in school. Certainly not to undermine the authority of teachers and of administrators. At the same time, when one has to make the difficult choices occasionally that one has to make in either direction, the role of parents in compensating, in some cases on hashkafa level, to explain, you're going to the school, this is the message, there's much of value to be taken from this school, one should have great respect for Rabbeim and so on. However, uh, when it comes to this particular issue, I have a broader view, I believe it's a more l'chathila view. Unfortunately, it doesn't fit in to the educational choices that I have in front of me, but that becomes a crucial communication with one's child. In other cases, to increase and enhance the level of Talmud Torah, to make even more unequivocal the role of Yerushalayim, um, and so on. This is a crucial, crucial issue, again, which I which had much more time to speak about, but I don't. In the end of the day, what has to be committed to creating a climate in which compromise and concession um, becomes unnecessary, as I began earlier. Uh, we should follow our sense of ambition and idealism in Talmud Torah and Yerushalayim and in Hashkafa, and we should try to project the values that the Rambam describes so beautifully in the entire parak. Paragimel of Hilchastama Torah, when he explains why it is that Keser Torah is even greater than Keser Malchus and Keser Kahuna. And when he explains the ideal uh, of Talmud Torah, and where he explains that Tchilas Dino Shal Adam in Anidon El Alatalmud, the Achakach Al Shar Maasav, and where he explains the sacrifices that have to be made for Torah, and how Torah cannot be accomplished in a state of extravagance and uh, an ex- state of excessive materialism, uh, where the Rambam explains that there has to be a single minded pursuit of Torah. Our agenda and our definition of Torah doesn't have to be narrow and single-minded, but our commitment and our focus, indeed, should be single-minded. Where the Rambam explains that one should never exploit Torah, and that one should pursue it with sincerity and with no ulterior motives, that one should sacrifice for it. Indeed, where it becomes perfectly clear, where Talmud Torah is not just the foundation for Midos, Tovos, but of course it is much more than that, and it's not just the way to engage through Dvar Hashem in a religious experience with the Rabboni Sholem, but where the goal and objective of Leidas Kola of becoming a Talmud Chacham, where each person should see himself as having that ambition, should look up to Gdolei Torah, who have achieved that, that they should be his models, that that becomes the ultimate goal. If we're able to redirect our emphasis to work on, to intensify the schools that we have, to upgrade them, then that will ultimately lead us to a greater sense of um, um, a greater sense of purpose and a greater sense of fulfillment. Lahagdil Torah ulahadira, or as the Rambam ends, Perak Beis Shenemar Hashem Chafetz Leman Yadil Torah Liadir. Thank you.